they want to be able to prescribe fitness, physical fitness as a prescription to whatever issues that were going on. And we were off air and I was like, hey man, I love the idea. I think it's super cool. I go, do you honestly think that it would, I mean, do you truly think that that would work? And he sat there for a second and he was like, it's a long ways off. And I'm like, well, why? And he's like, because of money. Because there's no way that a pharmaceutical company is going to be cool with a doctor saying, hey, you know what? You need to get outside. They're like, no. I have whatever company, this company, that company, whatever, saying we have these medications for these symptoms. Trident Coffee is sponsoring this episode of the Invictus Mindset Podcast. My guys over at Trident taught me something really important this last year, that we are all a bundle of stories, both good and bad, and everything in between. At Trident, they're storytellers. All of their cold brews remind their customers that that they are part of something bigger than themselves. They help create connections through symbology and storytelling that engage their customers on an emotional level, and this distinguishes them from other coffee brands. You can find Trident in Imperial Beach and in Coronado. They offer over 14 plus nitro cold brews along with dairy-free options. You can find the perfect brew and pair it with one of their treats from their keto bakery. All these options will allow you to support your health and fitness journey with Trident Coffee. They're more than just a coffee company. You can check them out over at tridentcoffee.com and use code INVICTUS20 for 20% off online and in tap rooms. Once again, that's tridentcoffee.com. Use code INVICTUS20 for 20% off online and in tap rooms. Take your coffee experience to the next level. Two important factors for us over at Invictus Mindset are true care and attention to detail. My friends over at RX Markier have been bringing innovative fitness tools to the market since 2009. From their award-winning Evo Speed Ropes to their amazing gymnastics grips, to their line of inflatable fitness equipment, they're constantly looking to problem solve within the fitness industry. They're always allowing us to have our gear work for us rather than against us. Hop on over to RX Markier and use discount code Invictus Mindset to shop their latest cutting edge gear. Have your gear work with you and not against you. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Invictus Mindset Podcast. Today's guest is the owner of CrossFit Inferno, a CrossFit Games sports commentator and the co-host of Get With The Programming Podcast. He's a father and a veteran within the CrossFit space, Mr. Bill Grundler. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Everyone always throws that like veteran to the sport, and all I think whenever anyone says that is, and he's an old guy. Who's yes. just been around forever because he's old. <laughs> it's so funny too that you say that because um, it's so interesting when you like get out of the CrossFit space and you look at the term old. Yeah. But then within the CrossFit space, like you look at the term old and it's like, man, you still look like Wolverine. You're still Jack. <laughs> You're still doing some really freaking cool things. 
old seems to hold a little bit of a definition within this CrossFit bubble. Uh, I'd agree with that. I think I'm more uh, the Logan version of the movie now rather than the uh, the Chop version of uh, of the Wolverine. But yeah, I, I I will say that it is. Uh, it's I'm happy and grateful that I can say my age, and it sounds weird when it comes out of my mouth, but I don't feel that age. I mean, I'm going to be 53 next month. I don't feel 53. I don't know what that's supposed to look like. I see other people that are that age and I'm like, oh, please don't make me look like that. I hope I don't look like that guy. Please don't look old like that guy over there. (laughs) What's so cool though is like watching your journey. You know, we've crossed paths a little bit throughout the SoCal regionals days when it was uh, down here at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. And it's almost like you've, you've lived multiple lives. You know, you've got the the background in the fire service and then, you know, your competitive CrossFit career and owning a gym. And then now, you know, CrossFit broadcasting and, you know, fa- being a father, like there's a lot of different facets to, to Bill Grundler that people may not know. I, I literally was just, uh, I was with my girlfriend this weekend and we have, a, I have a wave runner and we were out on, out on the water up here. It was a super nice weekend. And I literally said that exact thing. I go, man, I feel like I have not just chapters of my life, but there are these different books. And it's like, how does this book even remotely sit up right next to this book when it was, you know, one year to the next year to the next year? I mean, there, you don't really think about it when you're living it. But when you look back, it's like, wow, that was definitely a time period of its own book. And then this one over here was definitely a time period of its own book. So yeah, it's, uh, it is very strange to look back, but it's actually kind of cool. Um, it's kind of cool to look back and see all the things you've done. I, you don't know it. You don't know it when you're doing it. You have no idea how all the stuff connects, you know, or what that that line is that connects all the different pieces. But when you look back, you always see that thread that that connects all of those decisions and all of those changes and all of those, you know, different facets and aspects of your life. It's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, it really is. Matthew McConaughey says it says it the best. He goes. It's a mystery looking forward and it's science looking back. Oh, 100%. And I think you navigated that very, very well and how you so eloquently described different chapters within your life. But I also think it's interesting how we're looking at such a volatile world right now of like all or nothing approach where it's, it's like this or it's that. And I think what's interesting is, you know, you, you just described, you have all these different chapters that you would probably classify as different books and subtly, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And there's complexity within that. There's not just, oh, Bill Grundler, when I think of him, I just think, you know, business owner. It's like, no, he's, he's also a father and he's also an athlete and he's also a significant other and he's a human being first and foremost. And so I think sometimes the world wants to label and place titles. And I honestly think we're all of those things but we're also none of them. And I think you do a good job kind of living that ethos. <laughs> uh, I would say that that is age. That's a, a little bit of like wisdom comes with age and all that kind of stuff. I Every single big change that I've had in my life, uh, I, I always like to think that I'm a very responsible person. And so you always try to line, you know, get all your ducks to line up in a row and all that kind of stuff to make sure that whatever big change you're going to be doing, that like you're making the right choice. But literally as I'm going through trying to line up all those ducks, it was like, look, man, I just have to, I got to, 
I got to jump. If I don't jump, I'm not going to jump. So I would just do that. So whether that was going from, you know, from college when I was graduating and originally it was I wanted to be going to PT. And when I was done wrestling, I got it. I started coaching up at the local high school and I was like, oh, well, both my parents are teachers. I like the teaching thing. That's kind of cool. And maybe I can coach too because that would be, you know, I've, I've been around it forever and ever and loved every bit of that and then jumped into, went back to school to get my teaching credential and then started teaching high school, but I was still lifeguarding. I was teaching high school in Arizona, but lifeguarding here up at Pismo Beach and was doing that and then decided, you know what? I really like this lifeguard thing and it was run underneath the fire department. And I'm like, oh, what's this fire thing all about? And I didn't, I had no idea. Didn't, no one in my family was a firefighter, no connection to anyone. Um, and then went that route. And it was like every, every choice I was making, it was full steam ahead. So I went into fire, full steam ahead. Started the gym, you know, was, was doing the, the CrossFit thing, was still doing fire and the gym at the same time. And it got to a point, I think that was around 20, ooh, what was that, 2013 maybe? CrossFit was really hitting a stride and air, like they were, the numbers were just blowing up and I was figuring that like, you know what, I, the gym needs more attention. So something has to give either, either the gym's not going to get the attention it needs or my job is not going to get the attention that it needs and I'm going to have to pick one of them. So then it was, I need to pull out a fire early. So I retired early. Uh, I think I was forty. What was that, 43 or 44 that I retired? So, I mean, firefighters, they retire the earliest technically to be able to pull all your retirement stuff like that is at 50. So, I was pulling out early, knowing that I couldn't touch any of my retirement for like whatever it was, seven years or whatever. But it was all into the gym. And so, then again, it was like, okay, I don't have everything lined up perfectly. All right, here we go. And, and just full steam ahead that way. And I mean, just every single one of those things was always. I'm going to give it my best shot. Think, you know, look at all the things as best I can. And then I never in any one of those choices had a plan B. And that was intentional. Like I think I tried to, and then it was all in. And, and I, the, uh, without knowing it, it wasn't something that I was, you know, trying to tell myself. It was, if there's a plan B, then I'm always going to be, I'm never going to be all in. I'll be like 80% in because there's, you know, if it gets rough, I can always fall back on the, the fallback plan. But if there's no fallback, then you have no choice but to be all in. And so I have found that that's the way that I basically kind of make it. And I don't know if that's a fire thing. I don't know if that's a, I don't really remember getting that from my parents, at least specifically, you know, um, other than you work hard and, you know, you, you commit to what you're doing and that kind of thing. But what, what, however it manifested into my world, that has been kind of my thing. And it's always looked like massive changes on the, on the front side. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, all right. So it was teaching. And then it was, you know, wanting to be part of the team and being physically active and coaching in that and coaching, you know, training all the different rescue techniques and stuff like that for fire and helping people out and going back to opening a gym and still training and still competing. Cause that's what I do, but then I'm still coaching and then I'm doing that. And it's everything that has been, has been that sort of vein. Like they really, even though the landscapes look way different, this, the core has always been the same type of stuff. So that's that thread that I look back and I'm like, well, I had no 
idea that it all that was all basically in the same line. Where I looked like it was look like I was going way the hell over there, and then I'm, <laughs> I'm switching. I'm going way the hell over there, and then I look back in the other way. I'm like, oh, that was just a step to the right and a step to the left. That was no big deal. It was a trip. That's so cool that you had the bravery though to, you know, jump into different arenas, but you realized there was transferable skills within all of them. And like the teaching thing really stands out to me. I always think to teach is to learn twice. <laughs> yeah, totally, huh? So, and I don't know. It's not like, um, I, I mean, I grew up with teachers. Both my parents were teachers. So I've always been around teachers and teaching and coaching and, you know, then being an athlete from, from five years old on, you're always around coaches. So you're always around people that do that kind of stuff. And, what I really liked about it is that that skill is not just a teacher in the classroom thing. And it was actually, it was really funny. I, I was at, um, I did a career day for my youngest daughter. She's in first grade and they had me do a zoom <clears throat> they had all the you know, parents, whatever they did their zoom, they zoomed in and I zoomed in from the gym and I was asking her before I, before I went to do it, I'm like, Hey, what career do you want me to talk about? Like, you know, high school teacher, a firefighter, a, a gym owner. Like, what do you want to talk about? And she's like, she picked things she wanted to be. She's like, I want you to talk about being a school teacher. I want you to talk about being a fire captain. And then you can say the gym thing too, but like those other ones, because I want you to talk about being a teacher. And I'm like, okay, but I'm not going to be wearing all my turnout stuff. So that's, that's hard. So how do I do this? So I tried to figure out how to say it. And it was like, okay, I'm going to talk about being a teacher and I'll talk about all of these different pieces of that because in that way it, you know, it helps for my daughter because that's the part that she wanted. She was proud to showcase. Um, I'm talking from the gym. So it's, I mean, a coach is a teacher and I, especially in our cross gym, like it's not three, two, one, go hit the button. It is, let's talk about movement. Let's talk about what's in, what's the stimulus of this? Why are we having you do this? How are we making you move better? What are the scales and modifications to get you from here to here? It's not just, do the workout, it's I want to teach you to get the most out of you. I want to coach you to get the best you can get out of this particular thing, out of this, this workout. So I tried to use that. And so she was happy about that. Her teacher was happy about that because I could, I could kind of lay the comparison of, you know, your teacher, Miss B, is, is a teacher and I was a teacher like that, but I also taught in all these areas, other things. So you can be a teacher in all of these different realms. And then, of course, I had to jump up on the rings and do some muscle-ups and climb the, climb the rope to make the kids all ooh and ah. But um, it's very cool. Like that, that, that skill of being a teacher is not just a in-the-classroom thing. It's not just a those that can't teach. It's a, it's a those that care teach is what it what it is. I mean, I I've seen and we've all had them. We've we've had we've all had good coaches, we've had great coaches and we've had shitty coaches. We've had great teachers that inspired us and we've had shitty teachers that are like, "Why I cannot stand being in this class. I hate this subject because of this whatever this teacher." I I had a, a fi- had a firefighter that was a history major. And I'm like, "What the hell would you want to be a history major for?" He's like, "It history is the greatest story of all time." He's like, Think of all the TV shows and books you read and all that. It's like, that's history. And I'm like, every history class I had, I hated. Hated. And he's like, give me one. I'm like, man, we would talk about like, whatever, like the War of 1812. And we all would have to learn of these dumbass dates and this. And he's like, he's like, give me an hour. And so he sat down for an hour and told me about the, like, the War of 1812 and all this stuff. And I was, the whole time I was just like, damn, that like, 
there was cool shit that happened. There was a lot of exciting stuff like life and death, big time meaning. I'm like, why why did no one ever give that to me? Because he cares about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that, that was the difference. So it's, it's not the he that can't teaches. It's the he that cares teaches or she, depending, whatever. Bill, I love the way you describe that. It's, it's, such a unique thing within the CrossFit landscape because sometimes people on the outside looking in think that all CrossFits are the same. And I mean, you and I both know all teachers aren't the same. All lawyers aren't the same. All doctors aren't the same. And there's a unique care, as you described, that comes from the depth of wanting to co-pilot somebody else's journey and truly help them navigate the depth of treacherous waters. And that, that means you have to understand their story. You have to understand analogies that resonate with them to speak to their level and meet them where they're at. Will you help kind of explain this, this element of care and how that bleeds into the, the CrossFit story and how we're able to connect with members and help them reach their maximum potential or seek their edge? First and foremost, any coach or teacher for that matter, um, the, se- the very first thing they need to do before they can think that they're a good teacher is not care about how cool it makes them look to make these people do these things or, oh, look, I got so-and-so to get their first muscle up. It, like it, All of the lights, all of the fanfare, all of the everything has to be turned from that coach, the so-called expert, whether they are or aren't, and turn it on the other person because that's the person that's important. It doesn't matter I have my level four and I've been teaching forever and I've been an athlete since I was five and I've been this and I've done that. and That doesn't mean anything if, this per- if I can't connect with this person. It doesn't matter. Once I get past that, that fence line, then it's, okay, what do you need? I mean, what do they want? Because once, they, once I figure out what they want, then I could I – could, set up a path to get them there even even if it's in the gen, even if it's in the you know the, the group classes i know my members when they come in i can talk about so hey how's your back doing how's your ankle doing from that trip that you had how's your daughter doing I, they had their play this weekend or um how'd your interview go i mean all that kind of stuff the second i have that connection with them then it's like okay how are we moving how we feel today I mean, are you firing on all cylinders or with kids up all night last night and you're just trying to be in here and just trying to move? Like my job is not to be a a movement in a coach Nazi. My job is to give that person what they need to get the most out of that day. So, you know, in the the CrossFit space, the whole like, you know, uh, function movements, constantly varied, done at high intensity, all of the normal thing, that high intensity piece. In, in you know when Greg Glassman said it way back in the day, it was relative intensity, that person's relative high intensity, and that's going to be super high for this person over here that had great sleep and his nutrition is on fire and they're training and everything, to this person that's a decent athlete that was up all night long or they were doing shift work or whatever, or this person over here that just broke up with their girlfriend or boyfriend and they they're they needed to do something other than sitting in the house. Like all of those people are going to do something different. It's my job to identify that, not to come over here and be like, Sarah, you have to go lower. You know that is not a full squat. What that? 
Get down there. Like, I mean, that. what does that do? If, if, if she just broke up with her boyfriend, that is not what she needs. She doesn't need a coach Nazi. She needs, hey, you're doing great. Just keep moving. You're doing fine today. Let's get that heart rate up. That's all right. Breathe it out. So yell it out if you need to. I mean, like that kind of stuff. That's what that person needs. And, and um, I think that, you know, that's one of the special things about CrossFit. Even coming from the early days to now, you've seen small group classes in the garages to these larger gyms to back downwards. We kind of get into more like boutique style setups now where originally it was the relationship. Then it turned into what's all the cool things we can do. And we, I think, honestly, we found out that that didn't work. That's what the Globo gyms do. And that's why their business model is the way it is. And we're back down to let me have that relationship with you. Let me help you. Let me help you mentally. Let me help you physically. Let me help you spiritually. Let me help you everything. So that when you leave, you're like, oh, thank God I was in there kicking my ass for an hour. And that guy makes me feel good every single time I come out of there, whether I got a PR or whether I really wanted to turn the car around before I even got in there, whatever it is. That's, I think that that's, that's the piece. And that has nothing to do with me. That's not like, that's right. I, I, I kicked ass today. I got people working out hard. So-and-so got a PR. It's all because of me. I mean, even if it is all because of me, that means nothing. So um, I think that, you know, that realizing that intrinsic value that teachers get when the light bulb goes on for students or when, you know, if it's a technical thing, when they actually can I don't know, tie a knot for the first time or they're in the gym and we see someone that tries a banded bar muscle up for the first time and they, they make it up over the bar and they look at you like, oh, no fucking way, did you see that? You're like, yeah. And you ride off their high. And that's, I mean, that that is, I don't know. It's I guess magic. because <laughs> Oh, man, it's so good. Like, they always say, you know, that teachers aren't going to make a bunch of money and coaches aren't going to make a bunch of money. And I mean, yes, and there are, there are coaches that make a ton of money and all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking... You are not a coach or a teacher. You're not a great coach or a teacher because of the money that's attached to it. Because if that's the case, then you're not chasing, working with the people the way you need to be working with the people. You're working on money. You're working on just the dollars. And the second that happens, the second you decrease your level as a, as a great coach or a great teacher, you got to care about the other people. It's all about them. I, I really honor that. And you briefly kind of mentioned in your description there, you know, kind of the old days of CrossFit and Glassman's original definition of, you know, constantly varied high intensity functional movement. And we obviously now have come to terms with, you know, high intensity is relative to the individual. And so maybe varied intensity might be a better term. But what was what was your introduction to CrossFit like? Were you already in the fire service and kind of looking for something or what, were, what was that first introduction like for you? Um, so the very first time I ever heard of CrossFit was 2002. So I saw the website like right when it came out. And the, the only reason I did was there was a buddy of mine that um, I knew here at Cal Poly up in San Luis Obispo that moved up to Santa Cruz, um, him and his wife. And we were always talking about paddling and, and we would do like ocean paddle stuff when he was down here. And then um, he went up there and started doing some paddling, was looking for a gym, was in a grappling gym for a little while and ended up coming into Glassman gym. So he was one of the members at the original CrossFit mm. and he was a mechanical engineer guy. Um, and it was he, if you go back into some of the original CrossFit journals about how to make your home equipment, 
he wrote some of the articles in that journal um, way back in the day. Pull-ups, you know, the the original rings when we used to like take PVC pipe and we'd heat it up over the stove and bend it up and then put like a yeah, yeah. you know strap through it, I, all that kind of stuff. So he was one. He's like, dude, you got to check out. He's like, I know you like all the crazy workouts, you know, running on the stairs and at the beach and carrying things and whatever. He's like, you got to check out this website. They have free workouts on there and just check it out. And so I checked it out and I was do, I was doing some of the dot com workouts way back in the day and. I thought they were cool. I didn't, but I didn't get it. I didn't understand what it was. I was doing the classic back and bias, chest and tries. I mean, that's how we all worked out. Even, even if we were. I mean, I was a wrestler. That was my background. So, but we still did back and bias and chest and tries and you know whatever. So I really didn't understand it. Uh, so I kind of dabbled in it in a little while, and it wasn't till about, I guess around 2006, I was getting kind of bored of what I was doing, my normal routine. And I kind of started poking back around at the CrossFit website again and just seeing what it was. And I read the What Is Fitness article that Glassman wrote. And after I read that, I think it's like 11 pages. And when I got done reading that, I sat back and I was like, damn it, that's that right there is exactly what I want. I want to be able to be good at everything. I want to be able to do anything. I want to be able to put a hole in the side of this building because that's what I have to do to go to make a rescue or pull one of my guys out or lift this person that fell down up, something big and heavy. But I also want to be able to hike hills. I want to be able to go and do a triathlon. I want to be able to lift weights. I still want to look good. I still want to feel good. I want to be able to run. I want to be able to jump. And by doing this the way he had it laid out, I was like, that's going to allow me to do all that stuff. So I was like, okay. Here we go. Now, granted, as I said that, I still would do my workouts because I couldn't give I, – I wanted my arms to look good. I want my shoulders to look good. it got to look good still. Um, and then I would do the CrossFit stuff on top of that. And then at some point, and I don't remember what the catalyst was, but I remember at some point I flipped it where I was like, okay, I'll do the CrossFit stuff first. And then I'll do the other stuff on top of that, the the, the pretty lifts, the, the bench, the flies, the whatever. And eventually, I was just like, okay, well, these are just stupid. Like, I'm not even going to do the, the 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 Globo stuff anymore. And it was just all CrossFit. And then I was literally all in. And I would get my guys to do it with me. Um, and everyone started realizing that if they came to my station, I was a captain, so I could kind of set that. And everyone that came to my station, they knew that if they came there, that they would be drinking coffee, they would be training technical stuff, and they would be working out. And we would be doing either the dot-com workout or workouts that I would be programming. And we would start programming stuff. I would start programming stuff from my guys there. And it just kind of started that way. I mean, I always enjoyed training hard. And this was definitely that. And when I started getting into it, I felt like I was on the wrestling team again. I felt like that same stimulus, stimulus where like you'd get done working out. You'd be like, damn, that was good. That kicked my ass and it was awesome. And I saw how... uh that would fit in my career, first of all. Um, and then I remember being at, at, at a regular gym and I saw one of the personal trainers working with this overweight lady who, you know, she's paying her good, paying him good money to try to improve her, her, her health, her fitness, her look, her everything, confidence, everything. And the guy was having her do dumbbell curls and making a point of saying you have to turn the dumbbell up at the top so that you get the full contraction of that muscle, so the peak of the bicep. And I'm like, man, this lady needs to be able to get up off the toilet on her own. 
let alone the peak of her bicep. Like she, she will never be on stage where she needs to worry about the peak of her bicep, or at least not right now. And it was at that moment where I'm like, okay, it's not just for badass athletes and firefighters and military. Like it's literally for every single person that walks in. And the second I saw that go down, it was like, okay, like this is for everyone. Like it really is. I mean, like I, I heard all the things Glassman said. I heard the the you know training, the difference in training between an elite level athlete and an aging grandparent varies by intensity, not by type meaning the body moves the same way so everyone can be doing this stuff. It's just their version of that that they can do. And man, I I just was so fired up by that. It, it excited me for myself because then I'm like, and then that's when that's when you're the dork that all you can do is talk about CrossFit and that's all I do. Oh, yeah, I do this thing called CrossFit and it's like, yeah, we do these, these cleans and we do these burpee things and yeah, we do these pull-ups. Yeah, I know we're swinging all over the place. I know, don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Like all that stuff and it was, I mean, it was really cool. I think that, uh, I mean, that, that was my initial and that was way back in the day. I got my level one um, actually, it's CJ CJ Martin was one of the instructors in my in my level one at the old CrossFit San Diego. Yep, that's where we are now. Really? Oh, yeah, crazy. that's the facility we're in now. We've expanded it a little bit. It's so crazy. Uh, Rory McKernan was with me on that one, so we both got it at the same time. Andy, who who owns CrossFit Hollywood, was there. Oh, Andy Petrana. Uh, yeah, yeah, JP, who owned CrossFit Brick. Yep, he was there in that one. Um, I mean. It was very, it was very old school, very old school, and so that was 2007. And I wanted to go to the CrossFit. I, I have the flyer from the original CrossFit Games when they put it out saying, "Oh, we're gonna do a, do it." I'm like, "Oh man, I want to go to that. Just right up the way. I could totally do that." Was out on a fire, got stuck, so I couldn't go. And then the next year, same thing. I was held on, but at the station, and I was ready. I wanted to go, and I couldn't do it because I was stuck. I'm like, "God dang it!" So tried to go to 2009, um, missed qualifying by three spots, which happened to be generally every single time that I tried to go to the CrossFit Games, I missed it by three. One year, I missed uh-huh. it by two. Ugh, that was 2012. Um, but other than that, yeah. So I've been in the space a while. Yeah, you have, man. I, I really appreciated the way you described that, you know, seeing in the Globo Gym the peak bicep contraction because... You look at your firefighter background and it's like you're always looking to triage, right? Most important task, I guess, is the terminology for the entrepreneurs out there. And I think activities of daily living are pretty important. Being able to sit and stand, get up off the ground, you know, pull something from from overhead, push something overhead. And I think it's cool that the wheels started spinning early on and how you saw relatability to not just activities of daily living, but... How do I become a better firefighter? How do we become a better human? Yeah, I mean, I, I did the peak bicep thing. I want my biceps to look good, totally. But when he was telling this lady that, I'm like, how, when, and why do you think that that's relatively important for this lady? Other than making yourself sound good, you try to use, look at how much information I'm giving you. And this is why it's important for you to get the peak of your bicep. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. The sequence of it is pretty much off. And then obviously the, the deliverables are not adding as much value that could be added. And it's fascinating because if you flip that sequence and you look at, okay, let's say for eight to 10 years, you are doing CrossFit style programming. And, you know, learning core to extremity principle and how to move heavy loads, how to, uh, you know, function at your peak performance. 
there will come a point where, oh, wow, that's actually a little bit too much for my nervous system today. Maybe I will integrate elements of functional bodybuilding to supplement this other form of training. But I think where it gets a little bit dicey, and I'd love your perspective here, is when you put the bodybuilding first, and then you start to decrease function, you decrease mobility, and you decrease your ability to operate from that core to extremity principle, and it becomes extremity towards the core, and you see people really moving poorly, they get skinny fat, and you start seeing different body composition markers and decreased ranges, which now decreases the function. And to take it one layer deeper for our listeners, you and I both described how our fathers passed away from terminal brain cancer. I would argue that they didn't actually pass away just from cancer, but also from losing their freedoms, the inability to use the restroom on their own, the inability to drive and go get things from the grocery store, the inability to walk out and get the mail. And I think if we can think bigger from a programming landscape around how do we increase the quality of somebody's life? How do we maximize their function? Well, now they're having a better life, a longer life, and can build more memories and do cool shit along the way. Totally. How long, when did you start CrossFit? When did you start? I think, I think my first workout was around 2011, 2012. I had okay. just finished playing okay. basketball in Sweden and we had an off day from, <laughs> from basketball. And I went past uh, CrossFit Kalmar, which is five hours south of Stockholm. And I popped my head in here and I was like, what is this thing? And the workout was Nancy that day. I'd never done an overhead squat before. And it was absolutely <laughs> freezing. I'm like a SoCal boy. So I do the, the, the first round where we you know run outside and then overhead squats with 95 pounds. And I'm just like trying to copy the people around me because I don't speak Swedish. And yeah. they're all running in t-shirt and shorts. And after the first round, dude, I threw on my snow jacket, put on my beanie, somehow finagled my sweats over my shorts, and I finished the workout like looking like the Michelin man doing overhead squats because I was freezing my ass off. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I think that uh, what is brilliant about CrossFit is how eloquently and simply it was put together to take a broad general stroke of health and fitness over whatever person you're talking about and that that's the that's the foreground and and back in when it, when in the beginning part that was all you did you didn't do multiple workouts in the day it was do this one event or this one workout hit it hard and we change it up on you so that your body has a different stimulus you know to that and it adapts and you do your thing as we became athletes, we started realizing, okay, well, I'm short on some things or I need to be able to have a different level of capacity on some different things. So we started adding. And then we started copying some of the young cats, like the Rich Fronings and guys like that, that were it's like, hey, um, I, I, I just work out four times a day. Everyone's like, oh, I need to do that too then. So everyone starts doing all this stuff. And then it went from volume to accessory movements became the big thing. And all of a sudden, I, they, we were seeing a lot of that being added into where a lot of the accessory stuff started becoming the priority on the fitness part because of, I mean, whatever the issues were. And I understand that at high-end athletes, okay, maybe you need to do that or that's how you bring some of the intensity down is by some of these uh, 
you know, accessory type um, sets. But generally speaking, I, I just saw people putting hours and hours and hours and hours into accessory. And then it turned into what I was doing before when I started doing CrossFit was I would have my bodybuilding workout, my normal workout, and then doing the CrossFit on the back end. And the thing is, is that you're not going to become a better CrossFitter by doing accessory movements. You're going to become a better CrossFitter by doing CrossFit movements. This is the other stuff to help. And if you're not a competitive CrossFit athlete, if you feel the need to have to do a whole bunch of accessory stuff, then maybe you're not doing the CrossFit part right or the programming's wrong and you're just kind of just getting ground down doing the same stuff. But I mean, I know myself now, like I don't do any accessory stuff now. I mean, time-wise, I don't have what I used to have or the priority of training isn't where it was. So for me, it's like I want to make sure I can get it in. So the way I make sure I can get it in is I'll pick our main workout of the day for the most part. We usually do a strength in a, the Metcon piece. If I don't have time to get it all in, then it's the Metcon because I know that I program pretty aggressively and I know that I'll get some strength out of there. I know that I'll get some capacity and some volume out of there. And I can get some intensity out of there. And as long as I'm doing that and I'm able to run it in intensity, at my age for, I mean, for anyone, even a competitive guy my age, like I'm holding my own and I'm good with that. You know, I am able to do, granted, my knees will creak and my back will be a little sore and the shoulders will get a little tight sometimes. And it's, I feel it more outside of the three, two, one, go part. But if you say three, two, one, go, man, we're thrusting fast. We're wall balling fast. You know, we'll do 25 chest to bar unbroken pull-ups and a set, you know, no worries. And we're just going to get going. And then we'll lay down afterwards, you know, <laughs> once the timer ends, you know? Um, but I think that like the, the, the greatest thing about it is that if you understand the core piece core to extremity and you understand the principles of the you know the basic crossfit principles and you understand varying your uh your volume varying your weight varying your movements varying your intensity level and and i mean i I tell everyone you don't worry about going hard or not going hard i say put it all out there i'll program it to where you can only go so hard if i want this one to be all out like it's going to be fran or cindy i'll program it that way if I want to slow you down, and it'll still be hard, but your intensity is not going to be a high, then it'll be, you know, whatever, like a heavy friend or a, a something that like you're not going to be able to do, you know, around in twenty seconds. It's going to take you two minutes instead. So, so I'll, I'll I'll intentionally slow you down. But that's on the programmer um, and the coach to be able to do that. Um, I don't want to tell someone to go slow because. It's no, no wonder where they're going to be taking that to. You know what I mean? It's so fascinating looking at the landscape of of programming over the years. How, as you mentioned, it started with one workout a day, and then, you know, many workouts within a day where it was like <laughs> volume, volume, volume. We saw all those videos back in the day of Easy Muhammad, Dan Bailey, and Rich Froning back at Tennessee Tech. And what's so fascinating is it became like. Oh, we need to do more. We need to do more. And now, now the slogans kind of become more is not better. Better is better. And, you know, some people are integrating. If you look at like some of the things Matt Frazier talked about on Joe Rogan, where, you know, he gets his heavy lifting in and then maybe a little bit of skill work, but then he's playing a lot with zone two style conditioning where it's very aerobic, low impact on machines, 
So now people are mix and matching all over the place, but social media has played a unique factor as well where you're like, yeah, like I'm doing all the right things. And maybe you have a coach or a team that you're kind of following, but then all of a sudden you pop on at Instagram and it's like, oh, well, that person's doing that, 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 and that. And like, you get this subtle like FOMO of, am I doing enough? Do I need to integrate more? <laughs> like, do I need to do secret training like around my training partners? Like there's so much teasing within the program space kind of going on. What are your thoughts on that? I think what a lot of people fail to realize is that there are going to be some people that genetically have a certain pre, pre, uh, predetermined setup for a particular type of training, a, t- t- a particular type of workout. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you are doing zone two, that that's going to be the magic. Like there is no magic pill. The it, zone two is not the magic pill to all of a sudden make you better or, or everyone better. It may be something that a particular person, like maybe Matt needed that. And that was his one area that he needed to kind of work on. Or it could be, um, you remember when, the, when, uh, a lot of programming was out and it was like, okay, this program has a strength bias. And that was a big deal, you know, because Chris Spieler wanted to get stronger. So he started adding more strength stuff into his movements. And he, that was his piece. So all, then everyone, you know, Outlaw was out there doing all the heavy lifting stuff and uh, just, just reps and reps and reps and reps and volume, volume, volume of all this heavy weight. And yeah, people got strong. And yeah, that only lasted for so long because you can only do that for so long. But it looked good at the time. I think a lot of people are so instant gratification that they expect if I go to this new program, I'm going to get the results that that champion got. And they, they are a champion because of this program. I venture to say, and I, I, this probably won't make a lot of people very happy is a lot of the champions that are out there. It doesn't matter what program they're going to be on. Like they have, a natural gift that makes them who they are. And that's not to say that someone can't work hard to get to be a certain point. Not to say that Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Matt Fraser and all of the greats in their area, it wasn't just hard work that got them there. Like I know a lot of athletes. I know a lot of athletes that are purely physically gifted they have the skills, they have all the tools, they have every piece needed except for the heart and the hard work. They don't, they're not the champions. They could be, but they're not. I've seen people that they don't have the best stuff, but they work harder than everyone. And so that definitely gets them way further than the ones that have the skills, but they don't push. It's the ones that it's a natural blend. Like, Matt is Matt was Matt. Rich was Rich is Rich because of the genetics that they have, the work ethic that they have, and the training that they do. It's like and the nutrition that they have, and all of those things put together. Like it's not a program X gets you the championship. There's just no way. There's way too many things to do that. Now, can program X get certain things? Absolutely, but. Um, there is no, and I, I say this a lot, this is where, and I mean, I have my own templated program that I have out there for masters. I think it's a great program. I love the way that I program. Um, obviously, I'm very biased about it. But when it comes down to it, whether it is my legacy program or Invictus or Comp Train or Hard Work Pays Off or Mayhem, 
literally those are just workouts. They're just workouts. Where And you, you are only going to go so far with that, like where the championship part comes, where you get to all of a sudden make that big step is when you interact with a coach and they say, you need, the, Bryce, you need this. This is where you're short. Yeah, here are the workouts, but you need these things in here or these tweaks in here or let's take you out of these because you're, you're already good. Like for me, I don't need to do a whole lot of pull-ups. Pull-ups are one of the things I'm good at. I don't need to do a lot of pull-ups. Like you could take those completely out of my training and I would still be able to go to a competition and be fine in pull-ups. But if we're talking about ring muscle-ups after being fatigued, that's something that I always had a hard time with for whatever reason. I, I could do a gazillion pull-ups and ring muscle-ups would be a pain in the ass. It's so stupid. Um, but that's something that I always have to keep in for me individually. And I think that's the difference. So it's it's funny. I think people just, you know, whatever, they they hop on a... They hop on a new program, and it's like, oh, they in their head think, oh, my, this is going to be the one. So they, they're they feeling good mentally. So, of course, they lift heavy that day. Oh, did you get that on video? Boom, look at my PR. That's right. That's this program that got me there or this, you know, this whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, placebo does wonderful things sometimes, <laughs> you know. Mindset, I see mindset right above your head there. Mindset does amazing things. And if you think you're going to be amazing because you – drink this protein powder or you're on this particular workout program or uh you do this you know meditation thing like the mind will let you let you do or let you not do a lot of things depending on where it's sitting so i i really think that uh you know we're just so impatient about letting things happen but if we get something good man we're gonna blast it all, all over the place and then when people look on the outside you're right it's like well what are they doing I got to compete with that person, either in the gym or on the floor, either either one. Well, maybe I should switch. I mean, I, I hate it. It's so hard for me to see the athletes, that even we're talking the high-end athletes, that every year they have a different coach. It's like, man, you you didn't even get to where you could actually get to the part where you can start fixing the problems yet. You just You just got into the groove of the programming, let alone working on what it is you have to do. It's, it's just really hard to see. It's hard to see. Yeah, the way you described all of that is is so cool. And I think it goes back to a little bit of like a relationship with dosage, right? Like oh, yeah. a program can be a generalized program, but then you integrate the appropriate doses of the things that you need. And that takes depth and consistent conversation with a coach or somebody that is, you know, in your circle of trust trying to elevate you to that next level. And I think that takes time to foster that relationship. I think it takes the honor of, of true trust and realizing like, okay, this person has my best interest. I need to surrender that because they have a lens observing my behaviors and my characteristics versus this singular focused lens that I may have. And I think it's really cool because back in the day you look at, um, you know, I started at Valley CrossFit, so I was around like Becca Voigt and Chris Clever and yeah. the OG Valley girls. It's so cool to learn from all of them. And then simultaneously, you saw like the NorCal crew of like Jason Kalipa, Pat Barber, Miranda Oldroyd. And then modern day, you look at it, it's like you've got Invictus, you've got Comp Train, you've got Mayhem, you've got Proven, you've got Training Think Tank. How much do you think, you know, since we were describing programming, how much do you think environment and training partners play in the role of, of athlete development and enhancement of our abilities? 
I think honestly, I think it depends on the athlete. Um, I think if you are high end, and we're talking like you know, if you if you're a real games athlete, I think that it is important to get shoulder to shoulder with other people that are going to push you, um, because we don't most competitive athletes don't like to lose, and so even though we're very good at pushing ourselves, we don't really know where that where that line is. I mean, we're 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 chasing phantoms. So I think that it's important to have that. If you are someone that has an issue, and we're talking just a regular gym member, what I tell people regularly, like, man, it's just so hard to go. I'm just tired at the end of the day. And I'm, I'm like, just get in your car and start driving. You get here, I'll take care of the rest. You just have to get here. And once you're here, I have them. Their friends will be here. The other people will be around. Just the fact that they're in the middle of other people keeps them going. So I think that like there's a there is a huge element of enhancement for individuals for that. Now that's not to say that again that's not for everybody. There are some people that they will do best when they can be on their own because they their mind does like the fact that someone is right there next to them, another athlete, someone that they're competing with, that becomes the emphasis trying to beat that person and if they don't now they feel bad you want the elite level to be one you hope that you have someone that they can chase because that's going to get more out of them and then two if that person starts beating them can mentally the athlete that you're working with or whatever can they handle that frustration can they manage the frustration because that's what's going to happen on the floor there's going to be times where all of a sudden they're in a heated they're in a heated race they get no rep and now they're behind, even though it wasn't a no rep. And it's like, can they come back from that? I mean, I, I would love working with some of my athletes. This was you know, back in the day when, when we had more here at the gym where I'd intentionally call a no rep and make them have to do that rep over again solely for the reason of mental, being able to handle, handle that mentally. So I think there's a huge, there's a huge element of that. Um, I, I think that, I, I mean, I really do like the group environment, whether it is a team, whether it is high-end athletes, whether it is a small group setting in a, in a normal CrossFit gym, um, I think that there's a, there are massive benefits to that. For you to be able to train with like the Valley Girls, even if you were just a regular member at the time, knowing that now, it's like you got to have some of the best athletes in the world around you. It's like, how can you not be stoked to go and get work, you know, go and work out with that? Like that's, that's a big deal. Whether you get your ass kicked or not, like doesn't even matter. You get to be in there with them and going at it, and that's cool. So I, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of pluses to that. I agree, man. I think the community element is such a magical ingredient within the CrossFit arena. And when you look at that, how lucky are we? You know, you got to experience it a little bit at the firehouse, maybe a little bit. You know, when you were lifeguarding and teaching a little bit with with your peers, but most people have this unique connection with a circle of friends in high school. And then some people maybe join a sports team in college or maybe a fraternity or sorority. But then after that, life gets a little bit more lonely for a lot of people. They don't have that same common group that every day you have a meeting hub that's at the gym and you're, you're there to get better and talk some shop and share about your, your life, your family, your day. 
you know, sometimes that's having a, a person event to, sometimes that's a highlight reel, sometimes that's becoming a master of the mundane. And how lucky is this, you know, CrossFit community to have a hub to share in this commonality of we're going to suffer and become better human beings within the process. I mean, they, you know, they would joke about, you know, CrossFitters being in a cult and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is, is that every single team that I was on was the same sort of way. You had your, you had your, you know, high end badasses. You had your general group that were all in there just kind of brawling. You had people that you definitely knew you could crush them in whatever the, you know, if it was wrestling or swimming or, or you know, football, whatever. They were in the mix. They were always part of the landscape. And everybody enjoyed the whole picture of it. And I think that that's huge, you know. Um, you're right. When you get older, it's you miss that stuff. You know, if, if your family life isn't the greatest, then you don't have that to really, you know, to lean on. Or a lot of people, it's like they lean on that. And then it's like, can you just get out of my face for a little while? <laughs> like, go work out. Go do something. So, you know, I think that... Uh, there really is a good thing for it. I mean, I, uh, that's why, you know, that's why the COVID thing was so hard because it took that away from everyone. And I mean, we tried really hard with the zoom thing. And I will say that we, I think from compared to most gyms that I talked to, we did way better zoom wise than a lot of places. Um, and I, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that that's because of myself and my coaching staff, whenever we were on, I mean, we would have to put on a show and, try to be dynamic and try to be engaging and talk to everyone as they're out there. And we did other things on zoom as well, like, you know, um, social things to make it so that when we're training at the same time, that it's, it's, it's more normal. It's, I mean, it doesn't feel normal to go out and train on those things and, and it's not the best option, but if that's the only option that you have, it's still better than not having that option. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I think the Zoom thing was really challenging for a lot of gyms, a lot of people as they were isolated and trying to figure out how to develop consistent routine with limited equipment, different energy, maybe not the same space allocation and this cognitive fog around uncertainty, fear, doubt. And I always think it's so cool that everybody did their absolute best to seek to connect, seek understanding, and to try to really, you know, share a common ground through movement, whatever that was. And so that's, that's really cool that you, you, you were able to kind of maintain that within your CrossFit Inferno community. You know, moving forward, I want to ask you like a unique comparison. And so when I've been to many gyms around the country, you typically see like a regular group class, Maybe you have some sort of specialty classes and then that kind of funnels towards like a comp class. And so the generalized progression to the novice member is, hey, I come in, I take my on-ramper fundamentals, I learn the general movement protocols, then I take group class for a while when I feel like I'm finishing at the top of the leaderboard and I'm very consistent and proficient in those movements Maybe I seek either some private coaching, maybe a specialty class, or it's time for me to move on into a comp class. This is great for some people, typically if they have those competitive goals. But what I want to help educate people on is this relationship between CrossFit health and training for health and well-being to optimize your life 
and CrossFit sport and where those differentiate and how people can understand that like, hey, you can still have awesome body composition and do some really cool things without all the crazy complexity that carries with it a higher risk. Man, that's such a good one. I, I, I've been saying it for a long time. And being an athlete, I've always been an, a, an advocate for those that have goals to be competitive. Um, but even with that, I have also said a lot, um, whether it's here on the gym floor or in a different podcast or different broadcasts or whatever, that there is a difference between CrossFit the fitness program and CrossFit the sport. And uh, that's not to say that you aren't doing different movements. Uh, that there, If you want to be a competitor, you need to do these sort of lifts. And if you want to be just healthy, you do these sort of lifts. Um, it matters what the goal is that you're trying to do, um, first of all. I think that for a competitor to be good, they have to be very selfish. They have to, and that's not a bad, I don't mean that in a bad way. They have to train for themselves. They have to put in more time. They have to put in more effort. Uh, they have to get more skills. If they are lacking, they need to either uh, pay for meal preps or do different meal type eating, or they need to have their body worked on by ART people or massage people or mobility people or have an Olympic lifting coach or a gymnastic coach or whatever. And that's because they want to they have those goals that they are wanting to achieve. The problem is that as they do that, they inadvertently will pull themselves away from the community that brought them in and supported them a lot of times. And we, I, I mean, we had this issue. And I, as far as I can tell, most gyms do. Uh, it's the, we're trying to do something big. You're just a regular CrossFitter, so I'm going to use this bar. And I'm going to grab these things and I'm, you're going to let me have these things because I am athlete so-and-so and and I'm going to do whatever so-and-so, um, or, or they don't talk to anyone as they kind of walk through the gym and it's like, man, what you want these guys to to support you when you go out in these competitions and, you know, buy your shirts and help get you money to go there and all these things, but you don't even say hi to them. Like there was always a, a disconnect between those, those levels of people. And I always thought that that was tough. Um, I think that it's important if you have an in-house athlete that they be involved in your community. And I think the first group that I saw do this was um, when Ben Bergeron did the comp train. The way he designed the comp train program, whether it was the open division, the regional level, or the games level, everyone did the basic class, which was the open level. So that kept everyone being able to work out together. So you could have your high-end athletes working out at the same time with your general classes. Your general class people would go and off to the rest of their day, and the now your athlete person would go and do the other pieces that they needed to do. And I loved that because it kept the community together. It showed that we are all one big community, one big group, one big family, one big team. This person has to go home to their kids and their wife and their husband and their job or whatever, and this kid over here has four more hours that they are going to do nothing before their school or their parents are paying for everything. And so they're going to do nothing but hang out in the gym all day long, but they're going to do these other workouts on top of that. But it kept everyone together and everyone felt unified when those groups were split heavily. Then I think that that was, then that was, um, a tough, a tough position. 
I think it works if you have classes at one time. If you have people that are like totally split, if you have classes at one time and then there is a break time when you then have your open gym so that those athletes can do their thing. So there is a separation because then I don't feel like you don't care about me and you don't feel like I think you're a douchebag because you're so-and-so and you're the one that just took my bar because it was the good Ohio bar that I accidentally grabbed, even though it was in the rack of all the other bars, whatever the situation is. Um, so it's, it's a very, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to blend the two. But then it also, I think, takes the coaches and the owner of the gym to explain that position. This person has a goal. That's why they're doing this. You have a goal. That's why we're having you do this. Um, it takes the expertise of the coach and the programmer of the gym that everyone's doing the workouts to where if everyone's coming in to do the workout, Okay, they're not going to not do the gym workout because that's the quote-unquote soccer mom workout. All they do is they run around the building a bunch of times and maybe they do a handful of wall balls and kettlebells because they don't want to use barbells because barbells is you know too heavy and they're just going to get whatever. It's like, no, if you are a good enough programmer and a coach, you should be able to understand that, okay, if this person over here only get – this is their only workout of the day. Are they, move, are they lifting large loads long distances quickly? Are they doing constantly varied function movements on a high intensity? Are they varying their load, their, uh, uh, their volume, and the time frame? Are they doing light stuff, heavy stuff, moderate stuff? Are they doing gymnastic stuff or versions of that? Are they able to get all the scales and modifications of that to where it's not a watered-down version of what the, what the advanced people are doing? It's a level that we program for the best and modify for the rest. And because you're an athlete, you can go over here afterwards and do some strength stuff or your your gymnastic capacity stuff or whatever. Um, and because you're a regular member over here, you just got a kick-ass workout that worked great for you. And your body's going to look good and you're going to feel good and you're moving, you're moving well. And you're burning calories and you're building muscle and everything else. And you're going get to get to go home and go, damn, I look good naked. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. That's why... You know, when when I've seen a lot of uh, articles come out about, you know, I, people complaining about how expensive CrossFit is. It's like, do you understand what they have to do? A CrossFit owner and a coach has to do a lot of things. Ideally, and I'm not saying everybody does this, but ideally the CrossFit coach is not pushing the clock and saying three, two, one, go. They're able to give you what you need whether that's the programming, whether that's the cueing, whether that's the technique, whether that's the information of why you're doing this and how, and then giving it to her like, okay, you're the athlete. Okay, you guys over there. I mean, we even, we've even had it where our athletes, you know, they, they were doing other, other people's programs. And I would tell them, I'm mean, like, hey, I'm cool with that. But if you're going to do that and you want to be part of the family here, Twice a week, come in and do the class. I go, do you think my program is going to be weak on you? No. It will kick your ass. And then you can go back and do whatever other stuff that's on your program you got to do. But I think that that's, it's important to keep that family together. I think, I think it's really important. We just completed the 2022 CrossFit Games Open. And that final workout had increasingly challenging gymnastics, starting with regular pull-ups, followed by chest-to-bar pull-ups, and concluding with bar muscle-ups. If you didn't have the right grip, you're probably falling off the bar or potentially even tearing your hands. You probably need to try the Alex Smith 2.0 grips from RX Mark here. These cutting edge grips were designed by CrossFit Games athlete and former gymnast Alex Smith to be the most comfortable grips you've ever worn.
High volume pull-ups or challenging gymnastics movements will feel like a breeze. Go to rxmarkgear.com and use discount code INVICTUSMINDSET to order yourself a pair today. I promise you, your hands will thank you. Once again, that's rxmarkgear.com, discount code INVICTUSMINDSET. One of my philosophies has always been is that if you want to create consistency, you've got to create convenience. I started taking Athletic Greens because I was tired of taking handfuls of pills and capsules each morning. One scoop in eight ounces of water, quick little shake, and that's it. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, along with five free travel packs. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Invictus. Again, that is athleticgreens.com Invictus to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Enjoy this on your very first purchase and create an optimal comprehensive nutrition program. I also think it's important for members in the community to kind of understand that some of these competitive athletes are not trying to be disrespectful, but I do think that there's almost a cognitive overwhelm and anxiety associated with I'm trying to get better. I'm thinking about today's program. I'm not really thinking about who I'm crossing paths with. I have this vision as to how to execute the program. And sometimes these other things are subtle disturbances that did not fit within the cognitive vision that they came in with because there's so much overwhelm based on the singular focus of I'm trying to be X and Y athlete and make it to the podium or, or to the next level that they didn't make the previous year. And so there, there's a lot of different variables there for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important. And I, did, and I did this for a lot of years because I was one of the athletes. So I would regularly explain to our members and, and not be like, okay, guys, now you need to understand that they're doing, I mean, if there was someone that came up and would say something specifically, then I would, I would kind of go that route. But if there were athletes that would come in to get certain weights, I would make sure, hey, man, what do you got going on today? So-and-so is going to be, are you going to be lifting up? Oh, I got these guys over here. They're going to be catching. You better watch out. I mean, anything to kind of keep that to, one, as a coach, I know that a lot of athletes need to get out of their head sometime. So I would do that for them. But what it also does is it would it would break down those barriers between the us and them. I hated that. I hated that. I understood it, completely understood it. But it needed to be that everyone understood where everybody was. You are not better because you're an athlete over these people that are living their life. They're just trying to stay healthy. That doesn't make you better. You just have a different goal. Hey, he's not a douchebag because he has a different goal. He just is in a different place than you are. That's okay. Both of you guys are fine. Don't give each other shit. Like support each other because it doesn't – It one, I, hate, I hated the drama that would come out of that. And it was like, two, it's like you guys don't need to have this stuff. You are making your you're making your training uncomfortable and you are making your gym experience uncomfortable. Just the fact that you're going, that guy over there thinks he's all better than us because he's doing dumbbell snatches and we're over here doing, you know, whatever. It's like, no, he doesn't. He just has some other stuff he needs to do. That's fine. It's okay. Um, but again, like that takes 
you can't have all the kids playing nicely in the sandbox by themselves. You have to have the recess teacher that's out there saying, okay, kids, we're all going to play nice today, you know, and, and kind of help with that. And, and, and I, I never, I mean, it was a pain in the ass, but like at the end of the day, it was, it's part of the job. You know, I want, I want those people to succeed. I want our competitors to do well. I want our regular gym members to feel better and look better and want to do well. So the way I do that is I make sure that they both get it and, and you know, and, and go easy with it for them. So like not, not give these guys a hard time and not give these guys a hard time, but you know, just explain. Cause I just don't think they think like that. They're not in their shoes. So they don't have a, they can't understand like, what's the big deal? It's just a, it's just a, the regionals. What's the big deal? Well, it's a huge deal for these guys. That's hugely important. You're going home to two kids, and they're like, "It was your choice to have two kids." Like, what's the big deal? It's like, "Well, Johnny's sick today." All right, they don't know that. They have no idea. They have no frame of reference. None. So, you know, just kind of explaining that and educating—that's that's what teachers do. <laughs> You're one of the the few people in the space that truly gets it, my man. You've spent so much time within the four walls of your gym and this environment <laughs> that the way you explain it, I'm like, dude, that just happened yesterday. <laughs> or you know all these things that the analogies that you're making, I'm like, yes, this has definitely happened. Um, oh, you mentioned yeah. a little bit the the pushback that we see publicly around the cost of CrossFit, and you know when when we work in the space, we know the the care, we know the consistency, we know the value of trying to help people within their journey, and fitness is a part of that. But there are elements of you know, therapy that go on. There's navigating different traumas that people go through. And fitness seems to be a cool vessel to help move people in the right direction and help people stay afloat when it seems like their their life is sinking in some capacities or there's an anchor of some sort or their bag of rocks is very heavy. We try to help them carry that. And what's so fascinating to me is when you look at healthcare, you have reactive medicine, which is typically insurance-based, very expensive. You have MDs and different forms of doctors that are very well-respected within the world. Typically, when you schedule an appointment, you don't get to talk to that doctor. You talk to the associate that helps you schedule, and then you get an appointment at their next available date. You see the doctor. Typically, it's a 15 to 30-minute appointment. There's a lot of information gathering, some sort of physical assessment possibly. And then, hey, based on that issue, I'm going to refer you to a specialist or we need to get an x-ray or something of that sort. And to me, I feel like a number when I go to that type of doctor. I don't feel like they actually know me because I can't text with them. There's not a relationship. There's not depth within the trust factor. And... For whatever reason, the narrative that is painted within our world is that that form of health care should be prioritized as very expensive. We must have health care. We're penalized on our taxes at the end of the year. But then to flip the script, I would argue that coaching and the CrossFit community is more of a preventative style of medicine. And, you know, that is nutrition. That is lifestyle. That is trying to move well consistency. That's optimal supplementation and vitamin D and element exposure. When you look at that comparison of 
you know, reactive medicine that's typically very well respected and very expensive. And then all of a sudden you have this preventative medicine that's not as respected and people always give pushback because it's typically a cash-based business. What's so confusing is like you get to see your members almost every single day. You typically get to connect with them on lifestyle. You get to connect with them on so many different variables and facets that impact their life on the day-to-day. And it's just this unique misunderstanding, I think. I think they're both important. But all of a sudden, when you look at this scale, it's like one's obviously weighing more and more respected than the other. And I'm not really sure why or how to change that narrative. Well, uh, it it, it, I feel it's a very political setup. Um, there's a lot of people with a lot of high dollars, big pharma, um, you know, insurance companies, like a lot. Those companies are vastly entrenched in our political society, in our financial society. And unfortunately, they can dictate a lot of what we do, what we need to do, what we think we need to do. And, um, you know, other than the the Joe Blow personal trainers over here, oh, they're just, that's just a gym rat who's trying to tell so-and-so how to, how to do dumbbell curls or whatever. And that's, the perception, but that you're right. That's not what it is at all. Um, I I think that, you know, I know that there are amazing coaches out there. I know that there are bad coaches out there. The bad thing if for the good coaches is the bad coaches tend to make it very difficult for the good coaches to do well. Um, the good coaches only seem to be the ones that have the CrossFit Games athlete that, you know, they get the higher paid, the higher end athletes to come at them. And now all of a sudden there is somebody, even though that doesn't necessarily mean anything either. I mean, just because you are a coach that has a high end athlete, you didn't, I mean, unless you took them from like them being nothing to them being a high end athlete, you're not a great coach. You're just you yeah that's right you keep going faster we want to make you move and well that athlete's doing what they do they're just they're going because they're a young badass athlete um i think it is so sad and so unfortunate that that is the case because i really especially over the last handful of years i'll tell you what like i am not a fan of the medical system that we have out there that's not to say that there aren't good doctors out there but the, the program in which they have to work under is I don't always feel that they have our best interests at heart. I feel that they have money at heart. I feel that they are tied up by big pharma. I feel that they are tied up by the insurance companies and the grasp that they have on them for money when they could come to my gym and pay $170 and be here every single day and I will help them move. Now, I can I reset a broken arm? No, that's outside of my skill set. I And I get why you know, medical, those, uh, uh, reactive doctors and reactive medicine needs to be there because accidents happen and I get it. And I'm not saying that what they do isn't worth it, but it is unfortunate that you can have a very good coach that's going to completely change someone's life, uh, health and fitness wise with 
general movement, understanding of movement, uh, working constantly varied functional movements at high intensity, basic nutrition changes. And I'm not talking about needing to be a dietitian, but saying, hey, let's get the processed carbohydrates out of your diet. Let's change the way you're eating here. Let's change the snacks that you're eating and how much you're doing. Let's, let's, let's take all the breads out and put vegetables in there. Let's see what happens. You know, that's, you don't need to be a dietitian to do those types of things. I'm not prescribing anything to them. I'm cleaning up their diet. And, you know, I know that in a lot of states, I mean, that even that, what you're allowed to be as far as a nutrition coach or are you a dietitian? I mean, don't want anyone to get in trouble legally. You have to understand what you can do in the particular state that you're in. Um, but those basic things and daily work with people like that, when they come into the gym and I, I know everything that's going on, I know what kind of day they're having, I know what sort of issues they're dealing with, I can watch whatever progress I'm doing. And this is, they're paying $170. I mean, if you were paying for a one-on-one personal training session, what is that? One, two, depending on the coach. So they get 30 for the price of one <laughs> by coming into a group class for that. And it's like, yeah, is it, is it expensive? Sure. Compared to fitness 19, which is pay $19 a month and you can rent all these pieces of equipment, not knowing what the hell you're doing and no one gives a shit about you. That's the difference. Um, so I understand the pushback, but it's the same thing as, do you want to pay, do you want to go to McDonald's and get the dollar meals or do you want to actually at least get the, smart and final version of the steak that maybe it's not grass fed perfect you know whatever but it's at least you know it's going to be some meat that you're getting you there's a range in there's always a range and is it more expensive yeah maybe a little bit but i'll tell you what i have the last time i went to the doctor was when i blew my knee out at the uh, at the regionals on the rope climb event that was the last time i went to the doctor and that was 2014 and now I only went because I blew my knee out. So I have a doctor on my insurance. I don't know who the guy is. I've never seen him. And I like to think that that's, I mean, I don't do stupid movements. I mean, accidents will happen. But for the most part, I eat well. I exercise regularly. I do these functional movements at high intensity. Um, I try to get good sleep. I take, you know, appropriate supplements and vitamin D and, 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 uh, my fat soluble vitamins and and that type of thing. So it's like, I'm, I pay way more money than I wish I needed to on, on health insurance. I don't know where it's going. I haven't used it. So someone's getting, someone's getting that money. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's going, it's, it's going towards things that, you know, help supplement the people that are not living those lifestyle choices, right? Like, you know, we look at a lot of the the different issues out there and they could be very easily mitigated with some very simple lifestyle adjustments. I mean, first and foremost, sleep. Get off the social media, get off the TV and close your eyes. Work on some different breath work to downregulate and get into a, you know, parasympathetic place so it's not always this cortisol elevated lifestyle where we need, you know, 10 doses of melatonin to go to sleep and 15 cups of coffee in the morning where it's this constant push and pull. And, you know, I think the integration of very simple things first with sleep, with hydration, with food, with quality movement, 
and some of the other things that we mentioned, those could be great places to start. And, you know, then over time, we continue the conversation around, you know, what else can we potentially add in here? What, what can we subtract here? Let's create a healthy dialogue around not this comparison of I'm trying to be right or wrong, but more so like what is the optimal dose for this human being to have a really awesome quality of life? I was going to say the only way you you can do that though, and this is what plays into, you know, the CrossFit coach is we see those people daily. So we can adjust that dose as we see based on how you feeling today. What about tomorrow? Hey, I didn't see you in here the last couple of days. Where you been? How you feeling? Well, I'm this, I'm that. Okay, let's do this. How's your sleep going? Try this breathing thing. Do this thing. I mean, you have, you have the time and the availability to make those changes and adjustments with people. And I'll I tell you, man, a coach that really enjoys their job has no problem doing that. If I was a doctor, I'd be punching a card and being like, okay, well, how many times are they coming in? How often am I working? Like, again, like at that point, it's like, and not that doctors don't care about the people, and I'm not saying that for the doctors that are out there. It's very apparent. We're not doing it for money. Not that we shouldn't be getting paid for it, and, and but I like it's easy to make those doses like you're talking about because I see them daily. I see them daily, and there's not as as many uh, barriers to get access to to the coach. And I also don't necessarily fault the doctors because within the system, they're typically entering the workforce over six figures in debt. They have obligations to, as you mentioned, pharmaceutical companies and insurance companies to make you know certain sales. And then simultaneously, they've got, you know, legalities hanging over their head. And so even though there is deep care for each patient, hopefully, they're also very concerned with, hey, I need time to get these notes in to make sure everything has a paper trail and is detailed so that I don't get sued and lose my licensure that I spent the last eight to 12 years going to school for. <laughs> right. Right. So there, I, th- I think there's a lot to unpack. As you mentioned with the analogy before between the competitive athlete and the recreational athlete and understanding the varying lenses that uh, people possess within their operations and their behavior, I think it's important too. like in this conversation, by, by all means, I am not trying to put down our medical system. I'm not trying to talk poorly of doctors or anything like that. But I do think that it's important to create awareness and dialogue and a conversation around this narrative and think to ourselves, how can we potentially help each other out? I mean, my brother is an emergency medicine doctor, and I know there's way too many people that end up in emergency rooms due to substance abuse. Well, let's create conversation where people feel heard and understood and they can move and they can breathe fresh air. So that way they're not chasing this altered state of consciousness, but instead are really invested in the life that they're living. And I think creating conversation around these healthy choices and sharing more love where everybody can potentially be right and everybody can understand that they have purpose and value within their individual craft now, all of a sudden, it's more of a collaboration versus a he said, she said, or as you described, us versus them. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I did one of the CrossFit Open events um, in Arizona at uh, CrossFit Fury. And that was one of the beginning. They were, they were like one of the forerunners of trying to do 
they wanted their gym to be built in like a medical facility that was like had one of those parks that had like the the different work workout stations as along the run that you did and the plant the idea was and what we even talked we even talked about one of the doctors that was in the group um that went to fury uh was involved with this program of they want to be able to prescribe fitness physical fitness as a prescription to whatever issues that were going on and we were off air and I was like hey man I love the idea I think it's super cool I go do you honestly think that it would I mean do you truly think that that would work and he sat there for a second and he was like it's a long ways off and I'm like well why and he's like because of money because there's no way that a pharmaceutical company is going to be cool with a doctor saying, hey, you know what? You need to get outside. They're like, no, I have whatever company, this company, that company, whatever, saying we have these medications for these symptoms. You need to make sure that you're pushing these symptoms. And I don't know, and I don't know the inner workings of how strong Armish the pharmaceutical companies are for certain, you know, it's like if you have symptom ABC, you you must give this drug. I, I don't know how that works, but... If all you had to do was tell people to exercise, it seems like we would have done that a long time ago. It just seems like there's a lot more things that are driving it. And so to have the conversation, I think is great. I just don't know if that would be the case. I think the, I just, I just see it being too, too much of a stronghold, but I like, like the, like the CrossFit medical L1s they're doing to at least get doctors to be aware of what is out there so that they can at least you have CrossFit minded doctors that maybe will can look into people's lifestyles. What are they eating? You know, ask that before they say, Oh, what are the symptoms? You have a headache. Okay. You have a fever. Okay. You have this. Okay. You have that. And just go ABC equals this. This is the issue. Here's the medications that you give them. But like trying to take that next step and look at that. I, I mean, that takes digging. You know, and and I, not to say that doctors wouldn't want to do that. I just think that if they could have, or if it was easier to do it, they would have been able to earlier. It's a very valid point for sure. I definitely think that, you know, in my humble outside looking in opinion, I think it, it's going to need to one day facilitate into an insurance model. And that may mean the conversation starts off as an HSA, like a health savings account. And then you have conversations between insurance companies and employers. And the conversation becomes, hey, you want enhanced productivity from your employees. Well, they need to have productivity activity planned within their workday. So now it becomes part of their eight-hour workday is this you know, 30 to 60 minutes of movement that's designed to enhance the quality of their, their, their work production and also their thought clarity and their ability to move and how that is medicine. But I think it is going to need to come in the form of an insurance model where there is respect and reputability behind it, where it's not necessarily a cash service, which it's tough, right? Like it's, it's it, the cash component is so fascinating because you look at how much people spend five to $10 a day on a coffee 
you look at that across 300 plus days within the year, it's like, damn, you're spending a lot of money on coffee. <laughs> but five to 10 bucks here and there doesn't seem like a lot. Once it gets you know close to that $200 range, the eyebrows start to peak like, ooh, is that an expense that's really enhancing my life? And I think Simon Sinek said it the best where he's describing consistency. He goes, you go to the gym, you come home, you look in the mirror, and what do you see? Oh, yeah, I saw this one. Nothing, yeah. right? And then he goes, you go to the gym the next day, and what do you see? Nothing. But if you do that, the compounded interest over time, over the co- course of 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, those little incremental bits not only enhance the quality of your life, your biomarkers, your thought clarity, your relationships, but all of a sudden you zoom out and you look at the human being you were before and the human being you were after, you're like, whoa. I clearly see something now, but when you're in the weeds, you can't always zoom out and kind of see the beauty and the art of optimal habits. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, man. Like the money game makes it, makes it very, very difficult. Um, I think that there's the chance of forward thinking companies if they have the size, if they have the money to be able to, you know, if they say, hey, we, uh, like I, I tried to really push this for the fire department. I am I am honestly shocked that more fire departments don't have this in police departments where you give either, you pay for your uh, employees to have for a gym membership. And I don't mean like some weird, discounted whatever but like you pay for their 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 fitness however you know at a gym or they get some sort of uh an insurance break on whatever if they can show that they do whatever um because i mean for them to me it's like it's a no-brainer it's like they are they are paid athletes they're paid athletes they are paid to be physical if i call 911 I'm not calling for the biggest, heaviest firefighter or cop to come to my place. I'm calling for Superman. I'm calling for Wonder Woman. Period. And I used to tell I used to tell all of our guys that I would I was the physical fitness coordinator for our county up here um, for our fire department, and I would tell them that every single time. That would be the start of our when we do our our physical fitness stuff. Is who do you think the community is calling? They're calling for Superman and Wonder Woman. Period. I don't care. They don't care how, how long you've been here. They don't care how old you are. They don't care if you had a bad day. They don't care if, you know, my knees don't really work, but I'm just going to be on the engine because I'm really trying to, you know, stay on and I'm I, trying to get some extra money for an overtime. I mean, they don't care. They want Superman and Wonder Woman. And if you're not that, you need to get to be that. And the only way you're going to get to be that is by being fit and healthy. And your only way you're going to do that is by being physically fit and active and eating right, period. There's no other way around it. So if the departments made that something that was the normal, if other departments, you know, bigger bigger companies, Amazons, the whatever, if they said, hey, we want our people, if we know, we understand the productivity increase by having our employees that are healthy and fit. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to hire someone to come in and do physical fitness with them. Or we we have a thing with this gym down the street or the gyms in the area. And you need to show that you've worked out three times in the week. And you have to write it down. What I mean, it was something. It's easy to do, but it takes, that's money that they have to put up front. Understanding that 
hey, we're going to keep our people here and they're going to be happy. Hey, we're going to, they're going to be more awake because they're actually more fit than they were before. It, it, but it's not a, this is the, I go to the gym one day and nothing changed. So was it really worth it? Well, I didn't get anything out of it. So nope, we're switching it. And that's, that's, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. A one person can do it for themselves, but for these areas, for we would have to have companies growing to do that, to change bigger eyes with more money bags and more that are that are deeper entrenched in our government and our political system to be able to push an agenda like that. And I can it be done? I totally think it can. Um, that's not trying to rob all the money out of all the pharmaceuticals or anything like that, but it's just saying that not everybody needs that. Um, you know, that's, uh, but it's a, uh, that's a tough one, man. I think it was fun to converse with you about it though. I always like navigating the messy middle and asking why can't we, why can't we do both? Well, I mean, I, I would love it if we could. Um, I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I've seen, especially like the last handful of years where there haven't been a whole lot of handshakes in the middle. You know what I mean? There hasn't been a, Hey, let's sit down and let's, let's really look at what's happening. It's like, Nope, we're doing this. I don't really care what the stats say. We're going this way anyway. And you're like, God dang, really? Well, I guess I'm going to be over here by myself then because I can't get myself to do that. So I'm going to sit over here all by my lonesome as a one-person show. And the world is going to go that way. And you're like, ah, it's a trip. It's a very strange. Landscape is weird right now, man. The landscape is weird right now. It totally is. And I think it's important for people to understand that. You know, people look up to coaches and high-level athletes and people that have had, as you described, many, many different lives within a life. <laughs> and it's important for people to know, like, we're all just kind of trying to figure it out. And, you know, that, that segues nicely into, dude, what the hell happened within the CrossFit world these last couple of years? I mean, we saw the Glassman <laughs> tweet. We saw the Black Lives Matter. We saw Eric Rosa purchasing CrossFit. We saw him step away with some challenges with mental health. Now he's the leader of the board, which I navigated that conversation nicely with Matt O'Keefe on our previous podcast, which was fun. And then now, <laughs> you know, you're really deep within, you know, get with the programming. And Dave Castro was, was recently fired at the beginning of this year. And we just concluded the team quarterfinals. And then two weeks ago, we had the individual quarterfinals. And um, things are moving fast. The, the, the game is still being played. CrossFit still seems to be something that's growing and evolving in a really fun and exciting way. But, man, a lot of things took place, for better or worse. Um, I think, <laughs> talking about your messy middle, I think CrossFit was picked up and dropped right smack dab in the messy middle because I don't think you could get much more messy than what has gone down with CrossFit in the last, the last, you know, last little bit here. Um, I, I think that everything evolves and changes and grows. And whenever there are changes, there are going to be growing pains. Um, not to say that when Glassman and Dave and everybody was there that there weren't growing pains then there were, they had their own sort of, of, of issues. Um, I am, honestly, I am of the old school of CrossFit. I loved all the things that Glassman had to say. Um, I know that 
he with all the Black Lives Matter stuff and the the tweet that he made and and things, I I know that those hit at a very inappropriate time, um, and especially. Uh, when there were emails that went out, you know, and, and it just got messy. It got messy. What I think people forget is that when CrossFit was in the beginning, the, the early days of CrossFit, even on the, even in the CrossFit.com where they would post the workout out every day on the, the rest days, there was always a very provocative, very controversial, very, Oh, whoa, let me look at this. What are they talking about? Uh, topic that is brought up, an article, whatever. And they would have people just sit there and put their comments on it. And Greg has always been controversial. Like, that's not anything new. Um, I, you know, I don't know the inner workings about all the 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 comments and the racism or the, uh, the sexual discrimination stuff and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, Greg's a unique dude, without a doubt. But from where I'm sitting... I love the I love the ethos of what CrossFit was. And I guess technically what it still is. I love the methodology of CrossFit. Um I love the beauty and the efficiency and the simplicity of the programming that that just yields massive results. And I I mean I'm a, I'm a purist through and through. I love that stuff to the core. So uh, it's real easy to get in the weeds about all the political stuff that happens. And I'm not very good at being political. I never have been. Um, I'm just a passionate Italian guy. And I have in my, in some of the earlier books that we talked about that are up on the shelf, I've gotten myself in trouble by yelling and screaming about, you know, it should be this way and you should be, and I should be, and this should be. Now I realize now it's like, okay, well, where I am, what's my call on this? And my call is to do what I believe in, which is CrossFit, program the way I believe, which is CrossFit, uh, help people change their lives, which is by doing CrossFit, not by doing CrossFit-like or hit classes or Bikram's yoga or whatever, um, using my own experiences to help people out. From I mean, that's one of the nice things about being older is doing that to help people out and get through all that stuff. I have a very hard time, honestly, and this is not a bad on Eric Rosa or the new regime that's in there or anything like that, but I liked that CrossFit was gritty. I liked that CrossFit was, I don't want to say counterculture because that's kind of turned into a buzzword too, but it's hard to know that our CrossFit is now Nike, Starbucks, Waze, uh, that end because not that they can't bring great things to the space, not that they can't help the company grow and be able to reach more people and change more lives. But I just feel that a lot of times that when that's the case, what you're looking at is money rather than looking at people and coming from a teacher's background. I, I have a hard time with that. I've, I would love to have more money, but not at the expense of me doing what I love to do, which is, helping people get better. If if what we're doing now is going to help fight big pharma and help us do better to improve people's lives, then cool. 
um, that I think Greg would be the, was going to be there forever and ever and ever. I mean, honestly, I thought he was going to burn it down <laughs> at the end there. And, you know, it's like, if I can't have it, no one's going to have it. Um, I'm glad it didn't go down that way. I mean, sort of. But uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I will say that it, it's, uh, it's without a doubt a transitional place. Um, I think, you know, with the, with the programming part going on that side, yeah, I'm bummed that Dave's gone. I, I like his programming. I like the way he tests. I like his version of the black box of the test to, to see what the high end of fitness is. Um, can Boz handle that? Yeah, man, Boz has been there the whole time as well. It's been right along with Dave. So like I know I know Boz, I know Boz knows what he's doing. It's not a matter of you know, are we not going to have good workouts because Dave isn't there and Boz is there? I no. If there would have been someone outside of the scope of that, then it, it would be like, "Hey, eh, nah, I don't I don't really know, but um I think Boz is going to do fine. I mean, he's a smart dude. He's been around forever. He knows CrossFit inside out and upside down and backwards. So but yeah, there's a lot of changes, and it's really, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's very interesting to see. I think it's cool to get your perspective based on being a little bit of a purist. And I think it's interesting. I'm going to play the role a little bit of a contrarian over here. And that is, uh, before I came into CrossFit, I was playing high-level basketball, and then I worked as a strength and conditioning coach at Cal State Northridge. And there's a unique stench of the word CrossFit within high-level strength and conditioning. And I don't think it yes, needs to be is. that way. I think there, there's <laughs> principles of both within both. And I think part of the reason for that is the narrative that was kind of portrayed with CrossFit early on. If you type CrossFit into Google, you're seeing the gym fails videos. You're seeing people making fun of kipping pull-ups that don't understand that strict is more for strength and kipping is more for work capacity. You're seeing pictures of pukey. You're seeing torn hands. And it's like to people within the CrossFit circle, they understand the joke behind some of that. They understand like how those things happen as a result of pursuing peak expression with challenging movements and high-level intensity. And then you take it a step further, and it's this compare of we need super quality movement over here that's like absolutely perfect that has zero intensity. And then over here, it's like bastardizing the movement where it's super sloppy and why does that rep count, which we just saw all these different things come out after the quarterfinals of everybody hating on everybody's reps and judges right. and all the things that your buddy Chase Ingram talked about. <laughs> but when you look at these two ends of the spectrum, it's like you actually want intensity and quality movement. And maybe the answer is like somewhere where the microphone is, right? Maybe not exactly in the middle, maybe leaning a little bit towards the intensity side, but you still have to move well to have consistency. And, you know, it's, it's just interesting because CrossFit went from A to B and that was under Glassman and they did some really cool things, but then it almost started to feel stuck. Reebok was like kind of made it explode when it was, you know, here here in California, the games and everything, and then it moved to Madison, and, like, we were hopeful that it was, like, going to grow again, and it kind of felt a little bit stuck. And then what we haven't talked about is the integration of Thorn Health as the title supplement sponsor, and then the integration of Noble now taking over for Reebok, which, you know, both of those brands are very reputable, very uh, disruptive in a very classy way. And I think... You know, yes, like you, 
I love the old school CrossFit. Super cool. It's nostalgic. The way the open was announced and the 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 subtlety on Dave's Instagram was so cryptic and like made my <laughs> blood boil every single Thursday. Totally. But like in order for it to evolve, I almost think it it needs to be something different. And I'll conclude my my rant here with when you look at the X Games, the PGA Tour, the World Surf League, the athletes got to be able to make a living. And you kind of alluded to it earlier, which is, you know, a lot of these competitive athletes either come from family money, maybe they have some sponsorships, maybe they're paid to be an influencer. But most of the athletes, with the exception of maybe the top 10 or 20, are not really compensated to be athletes. So then you look at the the longevity of a CrossFit athlete, and it's like, okay, maybe three years, maybe a little bit longer for some people. And then it's like, hey, I need to go get what the world describes as a real job. And it's like, it doesn't need to be that way. It is a real job, as we described earlier. And it's also this misunderstanding of what the term CrossFit means to those within the strength and conditioning arena, to those within the F45 Orange Theory row house world, like understanding that CrossFit is gently a combination of many things that is precisely prescripted based on the goals of the individual. You got a lot of things in there. Um, First off, the... Perfect movement versus the bastardized movement. Um, That exact question is in the level one. And they say, what is more important, perfect movement or high intensity? And the answer is yes. So uh, you're right. It's right in the middle. So I think that that's super important. Um, Second of all, um, CrossFit in the old days of CrossFit was by no means perfect. There were all kinds of fuck-ups that happened on a regular basis. And, I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, we, being in the old days of CrossFit, felt like, well, I mean, it's kind of like you can talk shit about your brother, but no one else can talk shit about your brother kind of a thing. You know, we can say it because we're in it, but, like, you're going to talk shit about CrossFit? Well, what do you do? Uh, You do Orange Theory? It's like, okay, Red Hypothesis. All right, you go do your thing. You know, play over there on whatever fake stuff you do over there. It's fine. Um, The negative connotation of CrossFit, it's – I've talked to a lot of coaches, a lot of gym owners, and um, they all – hate to have the conversation or I would say no I would say all many of them hate to have that conversation with people like I can't stand that they are they're afraid of CrossFit and they're yeah why haven't they just learned and I'm like okay you have to that is an opportunity for you to educate I love that conversation tell me every single thing you hate about CrossFit or what you think is wrong about it and I will explain every single one every single one you want to talk bloody hands? Let's talk about it. You want to talk about all these CrossFit fails? Fine, bring them. You want to talk about uh, intensity is too high and pukey? You lay it on the table, and we'll I'll talk to you about it. And I actually love the conversation because, generally speaking, when people use those phrases that they have their their rationale for not liking CrossFit, it is a parroted version of a shortcut. Instagram post, Facebook, whatever that they saw. And they're like, Ugh, look at these people. And it says CrossFit on there. They do that crazy stuff like that. And that's all they remember is that piece. These people doing crazy things, doing whatever. One of the one of the things that one of the first 
CrossFit fails that I saw. Um, and this one, it was crazy because it made it on to like the, the Today Show. And this is way back in the day. So Tanya Wagner, our 2009 CrossFit Games champion, um, who I've done commentating stuff with, uh, her husband, Josh. There was a picture of him doing an overhead squat with their baby in a, uh, in a little baby care Bjorn thing on his chest. And he's doing an overhead squat. And that went viral. Someone in the in the group, I guess in their in their community, took it. It was on uh, Instagram. It went viral, and it was on the Today Show. And I remember seeing that. I'm watching it. I didn't really know them back then. I didn't know Josh that well back then. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, he only has like 95 pounds. Like, what's the big deal? Like, what do they think is going to happen to this baby that's a strap to his chest? Like, the baby's in like all. If he was doing dishes, it would be fine. But because he he's doing a squat, it's bad. And everyone's like, how dare these people do whatever? And I remember I was talking to Tanya about that. And he's like, we got so much crap for that. I'm like, that that right there is a misunderstanding. People don't, they see something, they think, oh, look at that. That's terrible. They don't understand what the, what what's happening. And so that's my job. As a CrossFit coach, as a believer in the methodology of CrossFit to explain that to people, whoever it is. I don't, I don't care how knowledgeable they are. I've talked to doctors about it. I've talked to high-end postgraduate people. I've talked to scared housewives. I've talked to old, older grandparents that don't want their daughters to get too muscle-bound and look like men. I've talked to everybody, kids, everybody. And I love the conversation. So... As far as the stigma goes, even even the strength and conditioning coaches, I know it's there, and a lot of a lot of on that end, on the other gyms, the other training methodologies, the other uh, uh, personal training or strength and conditioning certification programs, their negative talk for the most part is because they see CrossFit as competition against their certification. We can't have this guy come in here because he's he's he all he had to do was take a class over the weekend and, and that obviously he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, okay, if he just got done taking it over the weekend and that's the first he's been in, in, you know in CrossFit, you're right. I wouldn't hire him as a strength and conditioning coach right out of the gate either. But if this guy has been involved in this and this is one of the certs that he has and he understands that or he's a high level, he's a level two, a level three, a level four in CrossFit and has been coaching high-end athletes and regular athletes and modifying for you know, different disabilities with athletes and understanding programming, you're going to tell me that because you took your course online that you're all of a sudden the magic man and you know everything? Like, No. Again, I've gone head-to-head with those guys as well. Not that their certification is bad, but generally what I've seen is they will try to out-talk or over-talk their intelligence rather than just letting it show. I, you want to talk? Why do you want to talk VO2 max with me? Like, why do, you, why do you really, that's all you have to go off of? I can make this person move better and perform better not knowing anything about his VO2 max. Like, why, why do we need to go there? That was the beauty of CrossFit when I first found it. Like, and I was, a, I was a bi- biology, anatomy, physiology was my degree in it up at Cal Poly. And so to see something that was like, hey, you don't, all of those markers will improve as performance improves. And here's the, here's the data that shows that. And it's like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. No, I think, I think you described it really well. I also want to jump in real quickly and say, 
Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. You don't need to jump into the weeds of all these fancy terms and all these things with with athletes that you're just trying to get them to move better and become more integrated, better connected with themselves. And as a byproduct, yes, their VO2 max will improve. I also think that there are some things that come from the magic of movement that science can't explain. And that comes from not just the theoretical knowledge of, hey, I learned this thing at a certification, I read this in a book, but the tinkering within the lab, the practical application by practicing the methodology, talking about the methodology, living the methodology consistently over time where you become your own experiment, your own case study. From my observation, I believe that is the scientific method. And I think sometimes everybody wants to point towards oh, this correlational study said that, or you know, this said that. And it's like, if it's not a double-blind placebo, I'm not really sure if it's law. It is definitely a data point that we should consider. But I think sometimes we throw around this science jargon to try to get this level of reputability. And quite frankly, it's just data that is strong-armed. And in reality, it's like, okay, we'll consider that as a fact, but it's not necessarily the law. Let's try our best to integrate a large facet of things based on a low-hanging fruit. What's going to get you to do the thing consistently? And if it's too hard, too complex, or we don't understand it or can't explain it to a third grader, does it really hold value? Depends on the person, but not as much. Right. 100%. I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. I, I think that the second you try to... Um, uh, bludgeon someone with data and terminology and big long words to make you sound this is that thing I was talking about about being a coach you need to take that light off of making you look good using all these big terms and data points and turning it on the other person and saying like well but what are the results that you're getting let me give you the information on on uh, let me show you and, and have you go through these things to get this data um, I love the test. I, I always love the idea. I think just having a, a, a science mindset, I love testing. And, uh, and I will tell you, of all the programming that I've done, there were plenty of tests that did not go the way that they I was wanting them to. Uh, <laughs> I wish the way it had gone one way, and they, they definitely didn't. You know, you can have a lot of different certifications, but you know, and I think I think we're in a time frame nowadays, especially where life experience plays a lot. And uh, for those coaches that have been around a long time and have tested a lot of different things, I'm not talking about you know the example of a, a school teacher that once they got through their tenure, they had their lesson plan that they always use for this particular subject, and that's what they would do, and they would write down that thing for 25 years, saying the exact same thing. Well, there's a lot of things that pop up in your field, whatever the field is. In our field, it happens to be you know strength and conditioning and fitness and health and nutrition. And you have to be able to look at those things and adjust. And that's what that is the crux of what CrossFit is. CrossFit is the gathering of all the things that make a better result. Um, if CrossFit found CrossFit training or the coaches that are out there doing CrossFit have found that they can get better results by doing, I don't know, bongo playing. And that just added to whatever it was. If you add bongos into all of your, you know, 100 words of fitness and add 101 words of fitness and you add bongos in there and that makes the person even more fit, then CrossFit would add that into their level one and explain that bongos 
bongo playing and bongo listening is an important part of whatever. Um, if there is something that's out there that's that that's an improve that will be an improvement, CrossFit, the definition of CrossFit and the 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 ethos of CrossFit is to pull that in. That's why we have gymnastic movements and all of the different types and all the different weightlifting movements and all of the different me- metabolic conditioning and monostructural type movements. And we move in the different ways that we move because it's a it's a large net encompassing all of those things to have constantly varied functional movements. The bongos be it becomes being a a uh, functional movement that we can do um at different intensities and it's going to work then we're going to see that in programming somewhere but we haven't yet and so that's why you know a lot of people think it's just thrusters and burpees and no that's fran is not crossfit fran is a workout crossfit is a methodology that brings all of this stuff in to get maximum benefits from that individual, whatever, based on whatever their goals are. Um, that's what I love about it so much. I don't, I, the people that get stuck doing the other thing, like they, I don't think they have a real, a real strong understanding of what CrossFit is. It's not just about throwing up every single time. And besides that was the old days of CrossFit. We don't really do that anymore. <laughs> totally. totally I, I think also like the best selling point for CrossFit is just to invite people to try it for themselves. Totally. And then educate them based on their con or based on their questions and their, you know, understanding or misunderstanding or trying to understand what it is. And I think sometimes, you know, we see it now like you can't ask uncomfortable questions or people get upset or shut down. And I think we've talked about it before on the podcast and that's, you know, the most successful people are comfortable having the uncomfortable conversations. And I appreciate you letting me throw you under the bus a few times and have some of these tough conversations around the CrossFit ever-changing landscape, program design, what CrossFit health is versus CrossFit the sport and preventative versus reactive medicine and I just think you're so well-versed within the space, not just as a participant, but also as a gym owner, as a leader, as a broadcaster, and obviously working with the fire department and integrating your skills kind of outside the arena as well. What are some of the cool things that you're that you're currently working on in this next chapter of your life? Uh, honestly, um, so I have two daughters. Um, funny they both have the exact same birthday which is hysterical and they're 14 years apart so my next month they'll be 21 and 7 um so my oldest daughter is uh environmental science she's up in uh up at oregon state so she's doing her thing um and it's funny because you know you go from being a i was a well i wasn't a younger father but when she was younger doing all the spongebob and all that kind of you know play stuff and all whatever to where here I am now, I'm going to be 53 and I'm doing the exact same thing with my to be seven year old playing all that stuff and being silly. But, um, you know, really being a part of her life, my, my youngest daughter's life, especially right now as, as she's growing up, um, I really never thought about what the gym was supposed to be. And I really want it to be something that is going to last and be around past my time. And so uh, really learning to be a better businessman and grow to something like that but still being able to do and that's that's the part that I'm that I'm I'm experimenting with right now is how do you grow your business 
but still do the things that you love. I, I always hated like in the fire department where you have a, a, a firefighter that's really good at this, at this particular skill and you promote them because they're good at that skill and then you promote them right out of what they were best at. And now they're promoted to a spot where they aren't really that well-versed and they should have been over here doing this thing and just kicking ass over here. So trying to figure out how that works um, has been really fun. Uh, and then I think just being, um, I mean, I'm always available within the CrossFit space to be part of that. I think what I've always liked about broadcasting, at least on the, uh, on the analytical side, the coaching side is I love being able to bring CrossFit and what's happening to the people that are watching it and the explanation of why. Not just so-and-so is in the lead, because that's the play-by-play's job to do that, but why are they in the lead? How are they falling behind? What should they be doing next to get into that next spot? You know, there are all the guys out there, Tommy Marquez and Brian Friend and Chad Schroeder, all the guys that are like, they know more numbers than anybody should possibly ever know about every CrossFitter ever known on the planet Earth. Um, and that's never been my forte, but what my forte has always been is coaching. And so I can watch them move. I can start to see when they're breaking down. So yes, so-and-so technically on paper has an 86% chance of placing the top three in this particular event. That's cool. But I'll tell you why and how they are doing it or not doing it and what they need to be doing to be in that. That's where I, that's, that's where I really like to be. I really enjoy that. Um, so being any part of any part of CrossFit is, is a big deal. Um, being a part of the, uh, the podcast with Chase, we have so much fun. I mean, probably way more fun than, than we should a lot of times. Um, and it was funny that you talked about us being the yin and yang on there. Um, you know, we're, we're very similar. We're, we're super close, very similar. And I think that our age is what, um, allows for that, uh, that yin and yang part. He's fiery and I was the exact same way. So now I just find myself just sitting back while he does his little rant and then I'll kind of reel him back in and then very calmly say whatever my, (laughs) my, (laughs) my point of view is on that. But we have a great time doing that. And I think, um, uh, that has grown to something that, that neither of us thought would be what it is. We just really enjoyed what we were doing and people, I think, enjoy being along that ride with us. And so they've all hopped on and we've, I mean, we've gathered a, a, a nice big following of people that enjoy hearing us talk about the programming, what we think about it, you know, what we like about it, what we don't like about it, what we would do, um, ideas that we come up with, um, you know, when we try to predict what the programming is going to be and then did we predict it right and how close were we, what changes would we make? I mean, all that kind of stuff. I, we're, we're, we're big nerds when it comes to that. So that's really fun. So to see where that goes and, um, just where we can take it is, is I, you know, kind of in the forefront and then just enjoying everything. What I, I think where I am right now is I'm a retired fire captain and my plate is more full than it's ever been. Um, but I'm in a position where every single thing on my plate, I really, really, really enjoy. And it's nice to be able to have all those different options that if I try something that is, I'm not feeling the joy, I'm not feeling the the positive energy from it at all. I can just go whoop and I have absolutely no heartache about sliding it off the plate because I got plenty of other things that I'm doing and enjoy doing. So having a good time. When, I, you know, now that COVID's over, I want to start getting back out and doing my master seminars again, start traveling around and doing that. That was super fun. So I'm, I'm uh, looking to try to push that back out there as well 
and get back on the boat again. So yeah, busy. Nice, man. I appreciate you sharing all that. And you just have so much knowledge within the space. I've been fortunate to cross paths with Tommy Marquez, the deadlifting champ over there. He's an awesome. Deadlifting and double unders. That that guy, man. You ever get a deadlifting and double under event? Like he'll smoke anybody in the world. Yeah, he'll do solid. And then I had uh, Sean Woodland on, just an incredible broadcasting voice. You podcast with that guy and it's like, oh, I'm just going to spend a lot of my time quiet over here and just let him lead the show. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. The, the thing with Sean, it's so great, is it doesn't matter what he's saying and it doesn't matter where you put him. You could put him at like marble shooting sh- competition, whatever, and his sexy voice would just like, just douse at Carmel all over everything. You stand back and be like, man. So good. (laughs) For sure, man. He's definitely got an it factor. But I really appreciate your perspective, man. I really align with the coaching and really, you know, digesting the movement quality and patterns. So that way, when I'm observing on the live feed, watching these high-level athletes, I can kind of relate and I can understand based on your deliverables. So thank you for making the spectating of the sport a little bit more seamless, less barrier to entry so that more of us can participate even when the events are very, very far away. And thanks so much for holding space and connecting with us today, despite some of our technical difficulties. (laughs) No, man, I had an awesome time. I love doing this stuff and I am a definite babbler. So if you ever need to uh, block out another hour and a half or whatever, just let me know. I'll hop back on and start babbling some more. I'd love to connect (laughs) with you, man. Thanks so much for sharing your, your, your knowledge and your stories with us. For those of you watching on YouTube or listening on Apple or Spotify, If you enjoyed my conversation with Bill Grundler today, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. And as always, stay on the hunt for who you've not yet become. Until next time, guys. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, man. Are you over 35 and in need of a solid training program? Are you looking to improve your athleticism and keep up with the younger athletes in your CrossFit gym? Then look no further than our Invictus Masters program. This program places year-round emphasis on mobility and stability exercises with movements that we have seen directly benefit our master's athletes. Our program is led by Nicole DeHart and offers a training program designed specifically for master's athletes who are looking to compete at a higher level in the sport of CrossFit. Some of our top master's athletes in the world train with us, including CrossFit Games champion Kevin Kester, Matt Beals, and Pat Sprague. You can learn more about their stories and the Invictus Masters program by checking out their episodes right here on the Invictus Mindset Podcast. If you'd like more information about the current training cycle or to join the Invictus Masters program, please email Nicole at InvictusAthlete.com. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-E at InvictusAthlete.com.